Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for May 29th, 2018. And big slate, except I think we could kind of narrow this down to a few options because there's a lot of mediocrity tomorrow's slate. There's a lot of fair pricing. There's a lot of okay pitchers, a lot of okay offenses, which means not really a ton of pitching choices and not really a ton of offensive choices either. So starting off, we've got four pitchers priced over 10000 and I don't really love any of them. But of these guys, I think Maeda makes the most sense at 10800 because the Phillies have not been able to hit right-handed pitching at all this year. So how do you feel about Maeda and any of the other expensive guys here, Matt? Yeah, I think Kenta Maeda is definitely the best choice on the high end. Um, there are a couple situations, though, that could influence some of the decision-making here. Um, so Josh Donaldson got hurt on Monday. He may be out for Tuesday, so I think Rick Porcello could be in play if Donaldson's out. Um, Blake Snell is probably a little expensive. Definitely no interest in Charlie Morton in such a hard matchup at Yankee Stadium at tw- over 12,000. Um, but for Maeda, Reese Hoskins actually fouled a ball off his own face in the ninth inning of the game that just ended uh, a couple hours ago. And if Hoskins is out, it's an even stronger spot for Maeda. Um, I have no idea what's going on with that situation. Other than that, there was a lot of blood coming out of Reese Hoskins' face. Uh, but either way, I think Maeda is the best of this high price range. And then I think Porcello could be worth considering if Donaldson's out. Yeah, the other thing, too, is, so I have said a lot of times this year that I, I don't really like to roster Dodgers pitchers when they're expensive outside of Kershaw because of pitch count concerns. The Dodgers bullpen has kind of been garbage this year. So as a result, Maeda has been allowed to throw a lot more pitches recently. So if you look at his last three starts, 104, 96, and 111 pitches, whereas before that, they were rarely letting him go over 90. So to see the pitch count, and part of it also is because of how well he's been pitching, uh, 12 strikeouts, 8 strikeouts, his last two starts, he's gone over 36 fantasy points in both of them. So Maeda, I think, is the best play amongst this option, and probably a little bit more upside than I've given him credit for at other points in time this year. Going down to the next tier of salaries, Tyson Ross, we made fun of him a lot last year, we rostered against him a lot last year, and he wasn't good for a lot of last season. He's been much better this year, coming back from the thoracic outlet surgery, which Matt Harvey did not come back well from at all. But Tyson Ross, even though the velocity is a little bit down, he's managed to make it work this year, getting more swing and misses, getting more strikeouts, and overall just a really solid pitcher, good matchup against the pod, against the Marlins. So 9200 at first glance, I looked at and just said, that's a lot to pay for Tyson Ross. It is his most expensive price point of the season. But I think given the matchup and how well he's pitched, he's worth rostering. Yeah, Ross's velocity actually is still kind of the same as last year. He was throwing 92 or so last year, and he's at 92 again. Um, Before the injury, he was throwing about 94. Uh, But he's just throwing with better command this year. Um, He was throwing first pitch strikes just 46% of the time last season. Um, His career number is 56. And this year, he's up to 59%, which is a career high. And I think... uh, the combination of a high first pitch strike percentage and a low zone percentage um, while generating a lot of swings outside the zone, I think that's just a combination and kind of an indicator of a pitcher who is good at getting the ball over the plate when he needs to, but he's also throwing balls out of the zone enough to get guys to chase. Um, And that's why you see a swinging strike rate up to 10.5% this year compared to just 6.2% last year. Uh, He was very, very bad last season. Uh, But Ross is still a little bit of a concern because – he was so bad last year, and his velocity is still down 
Uh, but I think just betting on this matchup against the Marlins and it's a home game, um, I think that's the reason he's in play. But I'm not confident enough to say that Tyson Ross is just back to being what he was before. Um, and the main difference between him now and him in previous years, besides the velocity, um, is he's getting a lot fewer ground balls. Uh, career low, 44% rate. His career average is around 55%. Um, so it's a big drop-off on the ground balls. But even with all of those potential problems, it's still a home game against the Marlins. So uh, Tyson Ross, I'm not actually sure if he's my favorite pitcher on the slate, but he's certainly someone ha- he's someone to have in the mix of pitchers to use. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he's fairly safe play. I think that there's probably going to be pitchers with more upside, particularly in the next tier of guys we get to. We have a couple of guys in the mid-tier range that I would consider young pitchers with upside but downside also because one is Luis Castillo at 8,000. At Not a particularly good Diamondbacks lineup. Castillo has been a total wild card this year. He's had some really strong games. He's had some really bad games. And they're very difficult to predict. It would definitely benefit him if the roof is closed in Arizona tomorrow, and that would make me like him more, but we don't know that ahead of time. The other one is Nick Kingham at 7,800. He's made three solid starts in the majors. 7,800, I think there's upside for him there. He has scored as many as 37 fantasy points in his first start of the season. It's just we've only seen three starts from Nick Kingham. He's pitched well in the majors, he's pitched well in the minors this year. He was not particularly good at any other point in time that he was in the minor leagues. So I think we just don't really know what Kingham is, but maybe he's good. And I don't think the Cubs' offense is quite as good as people think it is. I think it's just kind of an average-ish matchup for Kingham and a favorable pitcher's park. So I put Kingham and Castillo together as kind of two young pitchers that could have a lot of upside in this spot, but I could also definitely see them putting up duds. Yeah, I think there's one more pitcher that is very similar to the two of them, but I think he has a little bit more upside in kind of a similar matchup, and that's Dylan Bundy. Um, Bundy is just a little more expensive than those guys, so I think I do prefer Castillo and Kingham to Bundy. Um, But there's plenty of upside for Dylan Bundy also. I mean, he just had a complete game, not a shutout. uh, He gave up three runs to the White Sox, but he had 14 strikeouts in that game. Um, Bundy clearly has the strikeout upside, and the Nationals... Um, while they're sometimes regarded as a really, really good offense, they're kind of just a little bit above average. Um, Bryce Harper is a really good hitter, but he's not nearly on the level of Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. Um, his WRC Plus numbers are around 140 to 150. Those guys are closer to 200. And then the rest of the Nationals lineup is mostly just average. Um, Matt Adams does give them a boost versus righties. Uh, but I think Bundy has upside at least, uh, although I do prefer Kingham for sure. I'm I'm not sure about Castillo, but yeah, I guess uh, he would definitely get a bump if the uh, roof is closed in Arizona. All right, and then we have the next tier of pitchers that I would call the punt options, and that is Michael Fulmer at 6,000. I can't imagine there's anybody who's rostered Fulmer more than I have over the last couple years. Just for whatever reason, every slate he's on, the price always seems a little bit cheap to me. He doesn't have huge strikeout numbers, except... He generally is allowed to throw a ton of pitches in games. Uh, He threw 112 his last start and scored over 20 fantasy points. He's actually only missed value on two slates he's been on. Part of that is a little bit of good luck because some of his bad starts haven't been on slates. But it's also just indicative of he tends to be underpriced. It's a tough matchup against the Angels, but still favorable pitchers park. Seems to be good pitching conditions tomorrow. And it's 6,000. I think he's worth rostering. 
And then we have Danny Delphi all the way down at 4,000. I think he's the best value on the slate. He's the pitcher I'm going to have the most exposure to. It's a, just a weird pricing to me. The last start, he was in Texas at 4,300. And I know Texas isn't good against lefties, except to see him do well in such a favorable hitter's part, and then to see his price go down to just the bare minimum price against the Twins. And it's not like the Twins are some terrific offense. They're fine. They're okay. They're going to be better now that Sano is back. But at 4000 that's just way too cheap for Duffy. He hasn't been great this year, but he can get strikeouts. He does have upside. So 4000 I definitely think he's worth rostering. Yeah, so there's another pitcher in Michael Fulmer's price range that I think is more of a boom-bust pick, but maybe has a similar expected output overall. Um, and that's Dan Straley against the Padres. He is uh, slightly more expensive than Fulmer. Um, so, yeah, with Fulmer, I think... Generally, you can expect at a $6,000 price tag, he's probably going to get you 14 or 15 fantasy points, and he deviates from that number very infrequently. Straley is more all over the place, but because it's the Padres, and also um, the boost for Straley here is that Franchi Cordero is out for the Padres, and that's just one less lefty that they have. Um, The Padres have been a lot, or uh, Straley has been a lot worse against lefties this year and kind of just over his career. Um, So if you want more of a high-risk, high-reward pick, in the kind of low to mid range, I think Straley could make sense over Fulmer, uh, but Fulmer is definitely a reasonably safe option. Uh, but yeah, I definitely agree on Danny Duffy. That price just kind of doesn't make any sense. And Brian Dozier is still bad. Um, he's hit a little bit better in the last week, but he's having a terrible season. And it's just a lot less scary of a Twins offense versus lefties when he's not hitting well. Yeah, Miguel Sano is back. Um, but overall for the year, the Twins have a 91 WRC plus versus lefties, and they're striking out 25% of the time. Um, I guess we should probably look more to last year for their numbers versus lefties because the the offense they have now with Sano back is um, more representative of what they were last year. And last year they were just middle of the pack, both in um, WRC plus and strikeout rate. I think it's probably fair to say that the Twins are just a, an average offensive team. And Danny Duffy is probably somewhere around an average starting pitcher, and he's pitching at home in a pitcher's park, and he's mid-price. So, yeah, I, mean, I would still call Duffy below average, but just at that price, it doesn't really matter all that much. So, I mean, Duffy this year, five point nine four ERA, five point one five xFIP. What's his Sierra four point eight nine? So he's probably below average, but it's just you have to be so terrible. Like Homer Bailey wasn't four thousand today. Yeah, the only other pitcher who's 4,000 uh, who costs the minimum for this slate is Austin Biebensterks, uh, and he is much worse than Danny Duffy, and he's in a more difficult matchup. Um, yeah, this is just uh, it's a very strange price. It's almost like they forgot to include Duffy here on the pricing algorithm and just threw him in there at mid-price. Like, something weird happened. Um, and I don't think he'll have a lot of ownership because pitchers that are this cheap just generally don't have a lot of ownership. Uh, so, yeah, Duffy is a really good play, and I do think he's the pitcher that we should have the highest uh, amount of exposure to. So the one thing that I disagree with is I actually think that he's going to be one of the higher-owned pitchers on the slate because he was, if I remember correctly, 24% owned for a start against the Rangers, and he pitched well in that start. And considering that he's cheaper now, like I think we could see Duffy in the 25 to 30% on Well, for that slate, 24% or whatever it was, somewhere in the low 20s, was actually one of the lowest ownership percentages because I think that was a four-game slate. 
Um, there maybe it was five games. There were not a lot of games on that slate. This slate has 14 games. Um, but I don't think any one pitcher is going to have that much ownership for this slate because there are so many kind of just similar choices and it's a ton of games. So maybe it just doesn't really matter, uh, what the ownership is for these guys. Cause there are 28 pitchers going. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think he's going to be low owned, but I mean, relative, it's still relative to the other pitchers. And then one, yeah, 14, 14 games. So there will be a lot of other people to choose from. There's not going to be any, like 40% on pitchers or anything like that. So getting into the offenses, there's one spot that's just so much better than everybody else on the slate, and that's the Rockies at home against Jeff Samarja. Samarja has just been awful this year. He's had zero actually good starts. He's sucked every single time he started. And now going in course Field against the Rockies, I, the Rockies have been just god-awful against righties this year, except they're still kind of cheap for the matchup. Like, we don't know who's going to start in the outfield because Blackman plays every day, except then other than that, they've kind of been rotating Cargo, Dahl, and Parra. All three of those guys are way too cheap for a matchup in cores against Samarja. Whichever one of those two end up starting, I think, are two of the better value plays on the slate. And then Arnado is obviously fine to roster on the high end. Same with Blackman. So the, the Rockies are a really easy stack for me, and that's the team I'm going to have the most exposure to. Is there any team that you think even comes close to the Rockies in terms of how much you want to roster them? No, I don't think so. Um, I guess the pricing doesn't matter that much because we're getting so much value from Duffy at pitcher that for offense, it's kind of just pay up for whoever you think will score the most. And maybe the Red Sox are comparable to the Rockies in expected output against Marco Estrada at home. Um, but they, I think they are so expensive that even with Duffy and maybe like a nine to $10,000 pitcher, it's still going to be hard to make full Red Sox stacks. Um, the Rockies are actually much cheaper because the only really expensive players are Blackman and Arenado. Um, Trevor Story is fairly expensive too, but I think it's kind of okay to not include him that much because uh, he is so much worse against right-handed pitching. Um, and the Giants have some lefty relievers, but both of them pitched uh, a decent amount on Monday night. So Will Smith and Tony Watson, I think both went multiple innings. Um, so Story may not see a lefty for the entire game. I'm kind of low on him, but... The core of the stack, like after Blackman and Arenado, Dahl is cheap, Parra is cheap, Gonzalez is cheap, like you said. Ryan McMahon's been starting just about every day. He actually started tonight against a lefty, even though he is a lefty, and he's still at 2700 So, yeah, the Rockies are not even an expensive team to use, and Jeff Smarja is awful, and it's course Field. Um, so even if the Rockies are a bad offense, it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and I shouldn't say if the Rockies are a bad offense. They definitely are a bad offense. But they're going against a team with an awful starting pitcher and a terrible bullpen um, that just had to work more than usual in an extra inning game uh, the night before. So uh, definitely a good spot for the Rockies. And then I guess the only team that's close is the other side of the Coors game, right? Uh, going with the Giants just because it's also Coors Field. Yeah, well, I think there's a couple other teams that would want to stack. I wouldn't even call it that close just because Kyle Freeland's actually been decent this year. So I, I understand it's Coors Field, but Freeland overall, I have to bring up his numbers because I'm kind of just going off the top of my head. Uh, so I, I definitely want to have exposure to the Giants. In particular, I think Buster Posey is the best catcher play on the slate. But Freeland is significantly enough better than Jeff Samarja to me. That yeah, If you look at so Freeland's numbers this year, 3.28 ERA, 3.77 FIP. 4.16 ERA, considering that he's making a lot of these starts at Coors Field, 
he still pitched fairly well in them. So the the Giants, I think, are fine, but it's not it's not close to the Rockies for me. Yeah, I think the Giants just are cheap enough where they could be a better stack for value, but I think maybe it's just for plugs. Like, Andrew McCutcheon is way too good of a hitter to be 3,700 against the lefty. Longoria is 3,700. Gorgas Hernandez has been leading off and has actually been really good the last, like, week or so. Um, Numbers for the season overall are pretty good, too, and he steals bases, so 3,800 in the leadoff spot. Um, Posey, like you said, Brandon Belt's expensive, but he actually leads the National League in WRC+, so maybe... uh, Belt is a good enough hitter to uh, to warrant that price tag, at least at Coors Field. Um, so the Giants are just inexpensive enough that I think they are worth stacking a good amount, but I think they still are a notch below the Rockies for this game. Uh, but both teams should do really well. I mean, it is Coors Field, so it's not some crazy take to say that both offenses should score a lot of runs, but they are cheaper than they should be. Yeah, and then looking through, I mean, there's other teams that I think, like, I think the Astros are a little bit too cheap, except they're still more expensive than the Giants are, and they're not even that much more expensive than the Rockies. I think they would be worth looking at. Then we have the Red Sox, whose expected run production probably isn't that much different than the Rockies, except they're also just way more expensive. So we don't know if Mookie Betts is playing or not tomorrow, which I think also is a pretty significant impact on the Red Sox. I think it's weird that they even have a lineup for the game with with Betts questionable, because... I mean, he's as valuable as any player on Boston on a day-to-day basis unless we're looking at, like, Sale as the starting pitcher. So it's going to be mostly Rockies for me. Uh, I'll be mixing in Giants, some high-end Red Sox guys. But outside of that, I, I don't really think that there's too much to look at for offense. It's a small big slate, if that makes sense. Is there any other offense you want to bring up? Yeah, so there's one other offense that I think will be really contrarian, and I think it's a really good spot for them. Um, Zach Davies has been very, very bad this year, and he made his first start of the first start in a few weeks uh, last time out against the Mets, coming off a throwing shoulder injury, and he was really bad in that start. Um, he gave up four runs. He only had two strikeouts, and I think it was four innings. Um, but Davies for the year, 474 FIP, 464 XFIP. Um, it's just that the Cardinals are so inexpensive. So in the lineups where you want to pay up for two pitchers in the non-Duffy lineups where you go with Maeda and Ross or Maeda and um, Kingham or something like that, Ross and Bundy, I don't know, any two of those pitchers that aren't Danny Duffy, um, the Cardinals are cheap enough that you can definitely make stacks against Zach Davies. And it's a strong hitter's park too. Um, So I think that they're probably my third favorite team to stack actually after the two teams at Coors. But I, I still think the Coors game is so far ahead of everything else that I still probably just only want to have a couple of Cardinals stacks. Uh, but I think it's notable that Matt Carpenter is still priced under 4000 and the offenses that we like don't have second baseman. The Rockies don't actually have a second base eligible player because Ryan McMahon plays there and is eligible at first and third instead. Um, and the Giants don't have a second baseman either. So Carpenter could be someone that I want to use a lot. But uh, Cardinal stacks, I think, are good to use. Just uh, they're kind of a few notches below the Rockies and Giants. All right, so let's wrap this up. You can follow me on Twitter at GIronbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense, and we'll be back for Wednesday slate.